Welcome back, welcome back everybody, back from a commercial break. This is the Laughing Matters Podcast, and you are you, and I am W.S. Walker, and I will be your host and captain of this ship. So, yeah, sorry about that. I know that was loud at the beginning. Um, I, I actually, okay, so I had the idea to do a joke at the opening, like, you know, something like, tonight show it end, but... That was such a good, simple reminder of what it is that I hope to be the end goal of you learning all of this stuff about the breaking laugh and the the genuine laugh. And I, man, those those two are so huge and so important to changing so much about yourself and, you know, to finding that true happiness. You know, I want that for you. You may not know that. That's something that uh, I hold as a personal goal is I... I want as many of you out there pursuing real happiness because, gosh, so many of you are going after this ephemeral stuff and just dumping time and energy and focus into it, and it's just... It doesn't last like your ripples do. You know? It does not last like your fireworks do. If you're confused about either of those two statements, go back and listen to the book, man. Start at episode one. It's kind of quintessential. Anyways, I was thinking about doing this joke, and I just, I I thought about it for a split second, and I was like, ha, 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 ha. You know, I laughed about it just for a split second, and then I was like, yeah, but God, that's mean. That'll hurt their ears, and it was almost immediate. And it usually is. When I have an idea for a, a... funny joke or something to that effect I <laughs> I actually use a coping mechanism myself I've never told you guys about uh, <laughs> uh, there's there's this character in my head uh, that happens I think it's it's probably a result of spending so much time focused on comedy right before I found all of this and so there's a stand-up comedian version. Uh, he's he's kind of a mix between a, a stand-up comedian and a table writer. But it's this room that he's in. I know, I swear, I'm not crazy. This actually, w- once I get to the end of it, you'll realize how sane of a way to deal with this this is. But back when I did comedy, I worked really blue. So this character has a tendency to either bring up the, uh, it will bring up jokes that will bring about the breaking laugh. Uh, he pretty much has a hold on most of those. And I don't know if you've seen Spider-Man 2, the one with Doc Ock and Tobey Maguire and Alfred Molina. Phenomenal, awesome superhero movie. Anyways, the Doc's loft apartment that overlooks Central Park, I only know that because I played the game like a thousand times. Um, the apartment window that there's several scenes that take place there. There's the scene where Parker goes and has a meal there with Doc Ock and he's giving him advice on dating. And there's this scene where Doc does his big presentation and which the accident happens. He gets fused to his arms. Anyways, remember that room has this just, it's basically one giant arch, the ceilings in constant movement to the other end. And it has this big floor-to-ceiling glass window and windows lining it. So in my head, that room exists. And in the center of it, it's an empty room, hardwood floors, and it's got a platform. It's got a little podium. In the space of a second or maybe two seconds, 
I'll hear a door open in my brain. I'm like, oh no. And I'll hear that echoey sound of footsteps walking through that room in hard sole shoes, clopping along to the podium steps up there and taps that mic and delivers usually something that makes me laugh, but immediately goes, I'm not saying that. I'm not doing that. No. But that is my hope for you, is that you have yourself a little room after this. That you have that part of you that was you before you knew. You know, that mean streak in you that that just didn't... It's not that you, you know, were discompassionately like, I don't care. You didn't know. None of us knew. We had little inklings and we have moments where like, um... And don't feel right about it, but for the large part... We didn't know. And if we did, we defensively ignored it. So I hope that for you. I hope I... <laughs> Use my room if you need to, but... You know, let it out in your head first. Take a second. Feel free to laugh at it. You thought it up. It's probably clever. But at the end of it, take the part that goes... Aww. and And listen to that. Go with that. You know, no, not saying that. Not doing that. Best of both worlds. You get a laugh at your joke and... Well, maybe not the best of both worlds. I know, you want to tell that joke. You want to do that prank and, and get the laughs, but... It's not worth it. Not for what it puts out there otherwise. So yeah, my gift to you... A way of coping with the breaking laugh. Now, that said, onward, because we have another reason to toast God with water. A couple episodes ago, I mentioned that I toast with water. I explained myself pretty thoroughly, but I didn't, I didn't think about, because there was other stuff that was in my brain when I made that decision that I knew about water that I didn't bother to bring up just because it wasn't directly related to the whole stigma surrounding toasting with water. There are so many more reasons to do it than that. And I I don't know if it was in the book at the time that I recorded the episode for that chapter, but I have written about Emoto's water experiments, you know, where he did the rice jars, and it shocks me how often I run across people that don't know about these experiments, which were mildly discredited. I mean, they're not... It wasn't like they were like, no, this is wrong. They were like, well, you had to take thousands of pictures to find ones that were in focus. Yes, because it's photography at a molecular level. That is really difficult to do, and it's difficult to get proper photos. But there are also videos of this happening, and it's especially cool on video because they adjust the field of focus so you get to see the bottom of the crystal, and the middle, and then the top, and see the whole design of it, which is just insanely gorgeous a lot of the time. I, I'm pretty sure we've been over this, but if not, look up those experiments because you, you want to see the pictures, you want to see the videos. Uh, it's just phenomenal looking. But there's also been a lot of support that water doesn't just have memory. It actually shapes to influence at a molecular structural level. What happens to water, what it passes through, the turns, even the turns in its flow path are recorded in water's molecular structure. 
but it all kind of supports that, you know, we affect water. And just as importantly, water affects us in the way that it was affected. There was a situation with a scientist where they dropped an ample poison into the feeding water of lab rats. And if you don't know what an ampoule is, it's this glass vial container. And it didn't break. It was completely unaffected by the fall. You know, the water broke its fall. But there were other scientists in the lab, and that scientist that dropped it didn't want to cop to the mistake. So he just left it in there. He didn't really need to fish it out. You know, it was intact. And so he he left it in there for like three days. And then they used the water as the drinking water for the lab mice. And it killed several lab mice. But never broke. It w- there was never a leak. It never got out. It simply influenced the water by being there. This sounds like pseudoscience, guys. This is stuff that we have observed in physical science. We just... We don't know. We don't, we don't know what causes it. So it's left up in the air. It's still up to conjecture and theory and just like dang on near everything is. If it turns out that there's something else that makes the math fit better, guess what we're going to follow? And if you look at any map of waterways, you'll notice it has this serpentine movement that it constantly tries to, to carve out of whatever it's flowing down. Look at the rivers, look at creek maps. It's not big on straight lines. It's not big on hard right or left turns. It tries to float, gentle sloping. And that movement, which is kind of a manifestation of what it is, that gets recorded too. And that amplifies what it is because it's recording what it is. I would imagine that would amplify it to some degree. It fine-tunes it. But we don't get down like that. When it comes to pumping water out to our homes, it's all straightaways and hard left and right turns and get the occasional U-bend, but typically not too much on the way to get to our mouths. Bear in mind, that's after it gets violently forced through filtration. I mean, if you think of the act of filtration, it's, it would be pretty violent on a molecular structure, right? And the whole time it's going, it's passing cities, it's passing towns, it's passing everything that's going on. Countless homes, cell phones, computers. Water, by the way, does not do super well with computers. Don't know if you know that. On a molecular structure level, having water near a computer, uh, well, it makes one of the less attractive freeze patterns. Yeah, it runs past those buildings with hundreds of people working jobs that they don't like, forcing it down straightaways and violence at every single turn. Yeah, it's no wonder we're kind of screwed up. Even the spring water, man. Not quite as bad, but think of the bottling process. So yeah, you might be toasting with uh, not the best wine in the world. But... It has memory. And right before you're putting it inside yourself, you're lifting it 
to your creator. You're expressing gratitude to him. And then you're putting it inside you. So just one more reason to toast with water. Now this is a total side note, but this was something actually kind of cool that they brought up that I had read a little bit on, but I checked it out afterwards, and uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool. So there was a scientist called Alexander Chavesky. It's somewhere in the late 1930s. I don't think anybody's really sure. Most of Chavesky's theories were focused primarily on the physical effects of the sun's influence on our world. On skin pigmentation, on electricity usage, the heartbeat, the chemical composition of blood. Basically, how our nerve centers respond. And he put out a thesis that says that the sun directly affects the course of history. Which is, I mean, it's an interesting read. Uh, I don't I don't know how much it lines up, but not my field of study, that's okay. But one of the cool things that he came across during this study was what really caught my attention. He liked to work with solar flares and sunspots and their effect on us. And one of the things he was studying was the way these bacteria reacted. One of the things he discovered was that bacteria had this tendency when sunspots or uh, particularly solar flares, they would reach this heightened state of excitability. But here's the crazy part. It takes roughly eight minutes for light to reach Earth, right? It's, uh, it does have a speed. It's not instantaneous. So about eight minutes. The moment the solar flare would happen, that's when their excitability started. So full eight minutes before anything traveling less than the speed of light reached us. And they were already going buck wild in the Petri dish. This doesn't directly relate to anything in particular that I've talked about or that I'm bringing up in the future. Other than, I guess, to support that there's so much that happens on levels that we don't understand on levels outside of our plane of the three dimensions that we see and the sliver of the fourth dimension that we're stuck in, time. So it seemed like the kind of thing that you guys might enjoy. If you enjoy my stuff, this might be up your alley too. It's one of those things that just says that time isn't just now. Time isn't just now. <laughs> it, uh, it spreads out and there is influence on levels that we don't quite understand, that spreads out amongst our place in time. And that's pretty much it for today. So, definitely got we got the new website coming soon. Still the laughingmatters.com, but it's going to look a lot better. You can check me out on facebook.com slash I can help. Uh, you can check out the YouTube channel, guys. The YouTube channel is kind of awesome. And I've... <laughs> kept it quiet but i'm doing video versions of the first 11 chapters yeah which is the audio from this podcast but the video version so you've you're like the only people that have already heard it so why am i pitching it to you whatever if you want to see it it's it's cool it's cool it's done could help style 
If you don't know what Could Help style is, go to youtube.com slash help and uh, check it out. It's it's how all this, well, it's how the media end of all this started. I started writing the book a long time ago. But anyways, uh, that is it for me. Try to be good to them. Be good for them. You're going to be fantastic, folks. This has been W.S. Walker. Be sweet. Thank you.